So that was the the Mario Golf game. Uh, speaking of Mario, uh, Bowser's Fury. Oh yeah, yeah. I kind of loved that. Yeah, you know, for what it was, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like if that's it's not really like, like a, it's not like a full game or anything, I guess. But it was, it's like a, I had fun with it. If that's going to be anything to go off of for, like, a potential Mario Odyssey 2, then I, I would be very excited for that. I don't know if they made Mario Odyssey 2 like that, but... Or maybe the you know, like, next 3D Mario game to play like that, I would be yeah. very interested. It was... Because, like, I played it more recently than you guys did. Uh, first of all, I think... Do, you, do we have anything to say about, like, the the port job they did for... 3d world i'm surprised that they added online still honestly and that it works really well like and that kind of saves i i really like the port because that that aspect of it really really helps because that game is a lot better when you play it with other people than when you play it alone personally for me Mm -hmm. and the fact that i could do that way more easily than i ever could really helped and the speed increase actually also helps um the game feel a little bit more fast paced than it was before but it's kind of like skyward sword hd where like you know i think it's probably overpriced but like i'll I'll be playing this version you know instead of the wii u one probably well i guess that kind of goes into like another one of my disappointments towards skyward sword hd where it's like we got mario 3d world get ported comes with like these new bells and whistles and everything like that then it comes with like this new expansion i guess like if skyward sword came with an expansion that would have been really cool but it didn't yeah so xenoblade was the same way where uh that got an expansion the the future connected yeah Mm -hmm. but i don't know but yeah 3d world honestly again um i mean it's also faster right yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it's like the movement speed's like 25% faster or something like that. Yeah, Which that if you play as, if you play as Toad is ridiculous. Like it's it's hilarious actually how fast Toad moves in this game. This game came out on my birthday. That's cool. <laughs> well, is is that it? Is that all you guys have to say? Well, like, what do you what do you want me to say about 3D World? Uh, I mean, I guess, but yeah, I mean, that, like, that's it, all I got to say. Really, it's it's good port. It just seemed like it, <laughs> you guys were like running on fumes there. Uh, so Bowser's Fury, uh, which I played relatively recently, I got it a hundred percent because what else would you expect from me? Um, see, I liked it. I enjoyed it on the same base level that I would any of the other 3D Mario games where it's like, you know, you've got the power-ups and you've got, like, the platforming challenges and that kind of stuff was fun. What really uh, kind of annoyed me with it is that for some reason, um, there's no boot-out system in this game, but there might as well be because you have to keep going back to the same islands over and over again, and then when they respawn on the map, they'll just have new content to do. It's not really clear what makes it appear or why it couldn't just appear after you finished it the first time. So the game just might as well have the boot out system from 64 and Sunshine. Um, some of the 
like I, I feel like I'm nitpicking or something because the game was enjoyable, but it's like it had a few kind of weird choices to it, and the the way that they handled like revisits to levels were one of them. Um, and then there's the fact that like the actual final boss f- felt redundant. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, well, I see it as more of a proof of concept than anything. It's not yeah. really something I don't think I would play this again personally. But if this is the direction they're going, that I'm interested. Yeah, like I think what I appreciated about it the most is that it wasn't a 500 hour long game with like 999 moons in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like there's 100 cat giants and you can finish the whole game in like three hours. 100%. And I had yeah. a satisfactory time with it. There are a couple of things that annoyed me about it that weren't all that great, but you know, like it was a good three hours and I would do it again. Whereas, you know, I still have an 100% Odyssey and I probably never will. You know, I literally just 100%ed Sunshine again the other day. <laughs> so, I don't know. It, yeah. it was enjoyable. I, I'm just more interested in where they take this, if, if at all. I don't know if this is even an indication of where they're going, but it would be nice to not, like... Personally, I think it would be nice if this wasn't just a one-off thing, because I'd like to see some of these ideas expanded. I think it'd be kind of cool, but who knows? So, uh, that was Bowser's Fury. Did anybody play Balan Wonderworld? <laughs> no. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Resident Evil 8, anybody play that? No. No, I had to play seven first. Okay. Um, it takes two. Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that game looks interesting. Like, just a. Uh, it's won not the, a game I won played. the game awards. Uh, the only problem is, is I think EA published it. I, I want to play it with somebody. Maybe my girlfriend or something. I don't know. Uh, I have heard that the final boss is like ridiculous. Uh, and apparently the game was nominated as a children's game or something for the game awards, uh, which I did not see because they refused to expel Activision and Ubisoft. But I, I've heard from a friend that evidently, uh, it takes two actually gets really, 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 really dark. And if a kid played it, they'd probably get traumatized. (laughs) Um, so the fact that it was nominated as a family game took him by surprise because I guess outwardly it looks like one, but like it goes some dark places apparently. That's odd because it won the game awards, right? Like, is that the game we're talking about? Mm -hmm. So it's weird. You'd think that they, usually I find they just chuck things in family game when they don't fit anywhere else, but it's kind of weird that it was in family game and also one game of the year there. Cause that, I mean, that would imply that the, the people there played it and know what it is. So if it's yeah. a dark game, I don't know. It's weird. I think don't cause like, I've never seen a game awards ever, but isn't it the thing where people vote like online? Well, yeah, people vote, but there's also a board that votes. Okay, I think so- they have more sway than the people do. So it's like the Oscars where a bunch of, where an yes. insular group of people who have very specific tastes get to decide yeah. what's the best. 
Well, that's why everybody memes on it every year because like <laughs> it's, it's like people can vote. I don't know how much see that's the thing about it is I don't know how much sway the people's vote even has because the fa- of the fact that there is a board of people who apparently have more sway. But supposedly they're saying that the people that do vote also have a sway. But like, what's the equation here? It's like Metacritic where nobody knows what the hell happens behind the scenes. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the Game Awards is like whatever. But I haven't played It Takes Two, but I might play it. It seems cool. It's noteworthy that it won Game of the Year over a bunch of picks that I was... Like, I was sure, like, Deathloop or, like, something else would win, but the fact that It Takes Two won is kind of shocking, so I guess I'm more interested in giving it a try because of that, but... Yeah, but I don't want to give EA my money. Yeah. Which is fair. (laughs) Not exactly in a rush to play it, either. Which Which is unfortunate for the people who worked really hard in that game and probably just got EA as a publisher so that the game could come out at all. Uh, on a more positive note, Ryan, you said you played East Nine. Uh, well, I didn't play for very long. <laughs> what about well, I know you? Did that you, you play? Well, no, I know. I just remember you saying that you really liked East Eight. Like you talked about it in one of our previous Game of the Year podcasts. Yeah, I did. So. I liked it quite a bit when it came out. <sighs> so and I was what, looking what for, it, huh? Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, and I was, you know, I was looking forward to East Nine, uh, but I made the mistake of picking up the Switch version, and it runs like shit. Uh, so when I realized that, I, I played it for about ten hours, and I couldn't get because, like, usually, like with frame rates and stuff like that, I can deal with it. But with something like East, where it's like the action is like really fast paced and frantic, if it's like constantly chugging frames, I, I can't get behind it. So. I didn't get very far, didn't play much of it, and uh, I'm, I'm probably just waiting for it to go on sale on like Steam or something like that. That's how I'll play it. Okay. I mean, it's pretty cool from what I've played so far. Like, I don't think the game is bad, it's just I made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> you have pushed the wrong button. Alright, but then again, maybe I had like an update. I mean, I doubt it, but I don't <laughs> know, I, I have to check. Yeah, uh... Okay, uh, No More Heroes 3. Did, did anybody play did that? You, did you play that, XO? Uh, I, have, I, I played a little bit of the first two this year, but I didn't finish either of them. I played a little bit of the first game. I'm like halfway through it, but not anything else. I played through No More Heroes 3. I liked it. I thought mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. Yeah, from what I played of the first one, it seems like an interesting series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'll say about it. The the fact that they make you like grind to fight the bosses in the first in the first one at least it seems like that's what you do. Where there are like I don't know like ten bosses or something, and you have to keep grinding money from doing random mini games yeah. and running around the city. And on the Wii, mm-hmm. the frame rate in the city part is just fucking unexcusable. It's the same <laughs> in the Switch version for uh, really No More Heroes Three. Yeah, it's not great. Wow, they had like 20 years to fix this, and then they make the <laughs> third one finally, and it still has a shitty frame rate in the Have city. Have you seen what the game on Switch looks like, though? No. It looks so fucking bad. <laughs> it looks so bad. And, like, I thought for sure that I would hate the game, because, like, 
it's it's muddy and it's it's unpleasant to look at but i mean hey it's got a really fun uh, combat system thing and it's you know it has that going for it but yeah dude the game's fucking ugly does it still have cuz like the little bit of no more heroes 2 i played they're uh-huh. constantly zooming in on the french lady's tits and stuff and it was just like really gratuitous is the third one like that? Uh, I can't really think of any moment where there's like weird shots like that. So off the top of my head, I can say no, but I, I, I wouldn't put too much stock in that. I don't know. I don't remember. Because usually if I see that kind of stuff, my brain just turns off and I don't really think about it too much. It's like, oh, okay. Mm. Okay. Well, I guess what I've heard is don't play it on Switch, but I think it's... Well, I mean, No More Heroes is only on... Or No More Heroes 3 is only on Switch. But yeah, it looks pretty fucking bad. It might get ported somewhere eventually. Kind Mm -hmm. of like... um, Supposedly, data miners have found out that SMT5 is going to be ported to PS4 and PC. So they found files in it that suggest it. And it's like, I've heard the, the, the Switch version is like 720p and runs at like a variable frame rate and is just horribly optimized on SMT5. Um, so I'll probably wait for that. I, I did know not you, know that. I, I don't know. If... SMT5, by the way, I played a bit of it. Okay. Not, not much, but I have played like several hours and it's actually pretty good. Hey, I like it. That's good to hear. I got that for Christmas. I will probably finish it. I'm just playing it in between stuff now. So I'm playing it like off and on, but like I'm into it. It's it's like Persona, but harder and without the there's more like emphasis on your team composition than like, you know, like your demons that you get. Um, And it's more about exploring the. There's like really, like, I really, really like, I think my favorite part about the game so far is that all the, you spend your time in like the dungeon area, which is like the, some weird demon apocalypse future, but like, it's not like open world. It's more like there are open levels that you explore kind of where like you look around and you find like you encounter enemies walking around and you can. Every enemy encounter is cool because you can get like a new demon if you want. And there's demon fusion. Like in, It's basically the exact same as the Persona system. Um, in 5 at least where you can talk to them and give them money. And then you recruit them and then you fuse them to make better ones and stuff. But it's just the game's a little more difficult. So you actually have to think about what demons you're using and why you're using them. And then... It's more exploration based because in Persona, it's like a bunch of hallways, even in five, it's like handcrafted hallways, but it is just kind of a bunch of hallways. Whereas in SMT five, it's like a big space where you can explore like the buildings and get items and shit and money. And like, there are a bunch of side quests that are actually interesting because for gameplay reasons, because the side quests involve you go fighting like a cool boss in like a hidden area. I think the exploration stuff is honestly my favorite part about it so far. Um, <clears throat> I think it's really cool. I'm interested in finishing it. It's probably going to... I didn't expect to even really like it that much, but it's mm-hmm. pretty damn fun. I like it. And this was a game that was like... When the Switch was uh, 
when they had like that big presentation in 2016, this was one of the games that got announced there too. Yeah. Yeah, so it's cool that it's finally out. Oh, you know something it does too is in the battles. Um if you when they're cool animations, but they're a little long. So if you if you make everybody do an attack, if you just spam the A button, it just skips the animations. <laughs> so the battles feel a lot more fast-paced than they probably would be if I wasn't doing that. But the fact that you can even do that is a step up from a lot of RPGs. So I think that helps the pacing of it too. And I haven't... Every boss that I've encountered has been really difficult, but in a way that if you got more demons and fuse them together in a smart way, that you could take it down without grinding. So I haven't grinded at all, even though the game's really hard, which is like really good for an RPG because usually it's either like it's piss easy or it's really hard and you have to grind. And I feel like this game's really hard, but you don't have to grind. And maybe that changes later, but I don't know. I just think it's a really well-made RPG. That's the thing with it's got really good music as well. Yeah, Shin Megami Tensei has always been considered to be like super fucking hard for RPGs, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, that's why I was afraid is because it sounded hard in a bad way, but from so far, at least for five, it's not hard in a bad way, at least not for me. Because for me, hard in a bad way is like you have to grind, <laughs> retrain, <laughs> and yeah, and I I haven't had to grind at all, even though I've hit several bosses that are like. When I first fought them, I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to do this? But then it's like you, you have so many options. It's kind of like Pokemon where you like recruit all these demons and stuff. I think it was made before Pokemon. So I guess Pokemon is like SMT, but mm -hmm. um, to be more accurate about it. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's really fun. I would recommend it. I'm excited to try it. Uh, did any of you guys play the SMT3 remaster from this year? No. no. I bought it, though. I own it. I'm kind I'm of interested in it, but it's like... Uh, I'm kind of scared know. of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that game sounds hard for the wrong reasons yeah. <laughs> from everything I've heard about it, so I don't know. But I'm interested in trying it, at least. Okay. Um, King K... I think it's time for you and I to talk about Deltarune Chapter 2. Oh, shit. Cool. Here comes Pac-Man. Pac-Man, what? Go on. Pac <laughs> uh, so, I did not... I literally just played Chapter 1 and 2 a few days ago. So, it's fresh on the brain. Oh, wow. Because um, it was like, okay, Chapter 1 came out in 2018. I'll just wait for the whole thing to come out. And then... It took him three years to I make played, one chapter. I played chapter one again when two came out. So they're yeah. relatively fresh as well for me. Um, so like, I don't know if I've ever shared my thoughts on Undertale on this podcast before, because I think the years that it came out that it was relevant uh, and you guys had played it. I had not played it yet because the 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 fan react, the fan community around it was kind of obnoxious at the time so it kind of <laughs> steered me away from the game i did eventually play it at the end of 2019 and i enjoy i played i've only played the pacifist route and i rather enjoyed it uh king k i remember a thousand years ago you made a review and you sort of talked about how it was like 
a brand uh, like a paradigm shift for game design and interactive experiences right yeah um i I don't i mean honestly i don't even remember what i said in that video and i don't remember (laughs) either so we can remember together uh but it's i do think that at least if you play it in the pacifist route um it almost feels like the pacifist route is the dominant strategy almost and i know it's technically like a a play style thing and it's like the game changes depending on the experience changes and supposedly the genocide route is really hard i've never played that uh can you comment on that is it hard is it way harder um i remember my hands hurt after i beat sans so uh yeah i'd say it's pretty hard (laughs) so it's like honestly saying it's pretty hard is a bit of an understatement probably and that's that's only because that's the thing about mm -hmm. undertale is i do remember it being more challenging than deltarune or like that spider lady boss i think her name is muffet or something or tuffet yeah um she gave me a lot of shit and it took me maybe like four tries to beat her um whereas in deltarune with the exception of the secret super bosses in each chapter it's the whole thing seemed pretty easy um like well honestly it it is easier i don't want to toot my own horn but the first time i fought jevil i did it my first try yeah Um, so i I couldn't beat either of them (laughs) but part of that those like they're i think the game's still really fun but it's just kind of i think undertale is more like generally harder than it but also deltarune only has two chapters and i imagine more chapters we get the harder it will get probably i don't know for sure but who knows how long it'll take for us like people keep telling me oh he's making three through five at the same time two took so long because they were doing pre-production on the rest and i guess that's true but it's like i don't know dude It, it does the fact that it's being released episodically like this when it doesn't feel like the scope of it is that much bigger than undertale it kind of reminds me of how like um king knight's playthrough took like three years for some reason i'm sure everybody's working their hardest i don't really i'm not in in that situation supposedly toby fox had to hire a bunch of people uh to make the workload more manageable which is understandable and i'm glad he did that uh but i don't know uh supposedly it'll take us take maybe two years to get the rest of it and it'll all come out at once but as far as what we have now i enjoyed it um I think I liked chapter two more because uh, Queen is fucking yeah. hilarious. And like Toby, yeah. Toby Fox in general <laughs> is, is like one of the funniest writers I've ever in any medium. Yeah. Like well, it's hard to describe. He, he almost has his own brand of comedy. It's not like it's hard for me to pinpoint the stuff like because you could say that he does like the I don't know. He harkens back to old internet a bit, but it's not like that simple. It's, it's a little more like complex, I think, where he's, it's not, cause that stuff I find grating generally, but like the way that he writes is, is, I don't know. It's like punchy, but also like, I don't even know how to describe it or even the good words to find yeah. use, but I don't know. I think I think the difference between that and something you might find grating is that both Undertale and Deltarune have I guess how would I describe it a very very authentic emotions to it too 
like yeah. the characters feel like real three-dimensional human beings i mean some of them are monsters technically but you know what i'm saying where it's like yeah someone like lancer as a character makes complete sense yeah. like why he why he switches sides and stuff and pacifist route at least um queen queen's turn makes sense like i said queen is hilarious she just the way that she trolls everybody and the way that yeah like the way that she's written is like a sloppy text message like every text box is like a text message there's no punctuation and sometimes it's just like chris get in and it's like there's no commas or anything um well that's actually something that's making the chapter based format more bearable for me is that it seems like each chapter takes like a set of characters and like yeah. like chapter two takes no uh is noel is that yes. her name um and birdly i guess well birdly wasn't exactly like like an amazing character or anything but like they took this set of characters and did stuff with them so it kind of felt like uh the story still continues but it's like a um each chapter for me has had a satisfying end to yes. it that, you know, so I guess it's kind of been easier to wait for it. But I, I guess I, I just like what I'm trying to say is I like how they're doing that because it gets me excited for the future chapters. Because I want to learn more about the characters I haven't because uh, my favorite parts of the games honestly have been at the end when they let you explore and talk to people in the city. And see how things have changed. So I'm interested in the. I want the future chapters to yeah. <laughs> expand upon the characters we haven't met yet. You know. Uh, yeah, that's and that's what's gonna make waiting for chapter three so torturous because it's like, unlike you, I yeah. waited to play chapter one until this year because like, I didn't know why it was chapter based or what the premise was. So for all I knew, yeah. it was like. It was like playing Final Fantasy VII or something, but it cut off after Midgar or something. <laughs> um, yeah. The, I can't imagine how that would... Yeah, I can't imagine something so, like that happening. Um, yeah, it's fine. Actually, I will say that uh, as much as I like FF7R, um, I think that the Deltarune chapter-based format works way better than whatever FF7 yeah. is doing with it. Because like you said, it's like each chapter has kind of like its own self-contained story. There's a clear formula that they're going for, but it's like one of those things where like the first chapter is kind of like Alice in Wonderland themed almost. Yeah. And then the second one is, you know, like computer cyber world themed. And it's like, okay, what could they do next? They could do like a, a kitchen one where everything's food. They could do a gardening. Yeah. They could do one in Asgore's flower shop that is like plant themed. <laughs> Like there's there's so many possibilities and it's like God I can't wait to see what they do next and it's like the the overarching story is like well, you know that's interesting that's something interesting as well that I've always liked about his character writing um, is that like um, in Undertale as well as this game it's kind of a funky situation going on I don't know what the hell is like why they're the same characters or whatever but uh, I like that in both Undertale and this game. It's rare to see, like, a... How do I say? Like, um, Asgore and Toriel are, like... <laughs> I, I guess they're, like, divorced. I don't know if they were ever married, but, like, they, they're not together anymore. You know what I mean? There is a part like, they're not really... in Chapter 2 where you can go into Sans's grocery store 
and Toriel is, is yeah that's what I'm talking about yeah and that um, um Gasgord does say that he's her ex-husband yeah so, so like what I'm basically what I'm trying to say is that I like that it doesn't even an Undertale I mean hate to spoil Undertale for people but they don't like get back together at the end you know what I mean this is kind of a hard thing to quantify but like it feels like it adds to their dimensionality that Asgore is like this kind of I really like Asgore because he's he's like I I know why Toriel like does not want to be with this dude but I also like can't help but like smile at him cuz he's just this dad that owns a flower shop like I don't know and he wears like and he eats um, nothing but the, pickles Yeah which is but it, it, totally a I don't Toby know, Fox it, joke there's stuff there's a lot of little things like that that make the characters more individual, I guess. Yeah. So uh That was one of my favorite things in chapter two was visiting the going to Sans's shop or whatever and having <laughs> stuff like that happen. Him having a conversation <laughs> with Susie about how like he's the only person who works there, but he's the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. Well, I hate, I hate, by the way, that they're, Papyrus is still like my favorite character and they're, they're jerking him around. They, in chapter one, there's a line that San says, maybe tomorrow you can meet my brother. And chapter two is, takes place the next day. So like every chapter supposedly takes place in like, this is probably going to be like a week format where like every day will be a new chapter. But then in chapter two, you talk to Sans, and he literally tells you, he's like, I know I said you could meet my brother today, but you're going to have to wait till tomorrow. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck off. I want to talk to Papyrus. <laughs> <laughs> what if, I bet the reveal's going to be is that he's deathly sick or something. Because <laughs> it's oh, like, no. you can, you can like check out the door to their house. It'll be like, you heard a trussle through the door or something. Yeah. So, they're, they're hiding something. Oh, I guess, but the the torturous part of it is this, like, I want to recommend this game to people because it is really interesting, uh, but the torturous part is, is that you play it and then you're left on a cliffhanger and it could take years to figure out what the hell happens next. Yeah. So, um, if I had any other complaints with it, it does feel like the RPG elements, which feel improved from Undertale, honestly, I really like the system where you get magic points by defending essentially um you can yeah. like build up stuff like so i don't know if that plays better in the genocide version of the game i have not actually played genocide root of chapter two but um apparently it's some other route called Snowgrave or something in chapter two but yeah. which i have no idea well, chapter one didn't chapter one didn't even have anything like like that which is why I only played Chapter 2 once. And then I learned that it had some things, and I have to play it again. Uh, but with, as, as far as the, um, the, the pacifist side goes, it does kind of feel like the game is take two steps, cutscene, take three steps, couple of encounters, take three steps, cutscene again, take three steps, oh, here's a puzzle with a cutscene, here's another puzzle, like, it does feel like a little 
after a while because it's like you were taught which is why i brought up your old review where you talked about undertale being a new kind of interactive experience which it is in many ways um in the sense that it's kind of self-aware of the fact that it's a video game and kind of unashamed of it um whereas and it worked a little better in undertale maybe because the whole game is finished but it's like chapter one starts out with that character creator and you spend like 10 minutes yeah. on that and it's just like fuck you your choices don't matter which is which is one of those <laughs> yeah. things where it's like okay maybe it will come back later in the game because i think i think your character i'm convinced it will i'm convinced it will come back in some way but it's like for now you you just wasted our time in a mini game that doesn't add anything to the game as far as we know yet yeah um and it's like I have confidence in Toby Fox that will come back and he'll do something interesting with it. But it's like, like I've always said that Undertale is better at being a piss take of a video game than actually being a video game, like making fun of video game tropes more so than actually doing them well. And I might change my mind if I ever play Genocide. Maybe like the, the RPG mechanics are really fleshed out in that kind of playthrough. Um, but in pacifist it just kind of feels like the story was the focus and the story is engaging like it's a really engaging experience and there are game like things in it but it does it does kind of feel like the game is almost automated in some parts um so uh i mean so i'm i guess bottom line is i'm looking forward to three through five and seeing what the hell happens next uh but yeah. it's gonna be a torturous wait <laughs> Yeah, I re- I would. I'm really looking forward to it because it's achieved this thing where, like, I was always like, I wonder what you're gonna do after Undertale because I mean, I don't want to toot that game's horn too much, but it feels like a fucking. <laughs> I it, it's like a how do you make something after that? And then Delta Rune came out, and I was like. Yeah, I guess this is what you do. I like it's kind of hard to describe. It's like it's the same but different. And it it's impressive to me how it manages to feel different while still feeling like a Toby Fox game that's Undertale. I I don't even know how to describe it, but I'm really interested in getting more of it. It's done the whole sequel thing correctly <laughs> as far as I'm concerned evidently it's not a sequel though apparently it takes place in an alternate universe well yeah yeah what i'm people i think people use sequel differently than i do because i call things like majora's mask a sequel even though technically it like well not majora's mask wind waker is what i mean after majora's mask i call it a sequel even though technically in the lore it's not doesn't take place after majora's mask you know what i mean like yeah i'd usually like I think sequel for me is a broader term that encompasses a lot more than just like the story. It's like the next installment of, of a franchise. Yeah. I feel you. All right. So that was Deltarune Chapter 2. So I, I'm looking at a few other games here. Did anybody play the new WarioWare game? I no. played it for like an hour with my friend, but I it, it, honestly, I don't really get the hype. Well, WarioWare is not hyped. I don't really get the appeal of it. Is more what I mean. I don't of, the, of this new game specifically. Of the, yeah, of this because I like um, the one on GameCube, but which is a this worse one version is of kind the game, of like GBA game. 
Well, yeah, but it was fun. It was more fun in multiplayer for me. Okay, fair <laughs> so, enough. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems kind of weird. The idea is that you universalize the control scheme. This is a hard thing to explain, but like every character controls in a certain way. They like all have different controls. Like one of them can fly. One of them can like can only is on a skateboard and they move left to right and you can like shoot something in up to stop and like I don't know how the fuck to explain this game to people. Every character controls like fundamentally different, but you all you can play all the mini games with any character that you want. So all of the mini games, the micro games I guess, have been designed so that you can play with any character you want even though they all control differently. So it was fun, but I'm like like it was a fun time, but I'm also like how much fun could you realistically get out of it? Because it seems like kind of a short thing. Like it has a campaign, I guess, but it's not really like, I don't know. It, it's, it was a fun time with a friend and there were actually some of my favorite micro games were the ones that there was like a Breath of the Wild one where it literally is like they, <laughs> it is Breath of the Wild in the background and you like, you have to hit a, a block with, um, stasis what's that called the time stop one is that i don't know uh yeah yeah you have to like hit the block away and it like is actually like graphically breath of the wild and there's a bunch of stuff like that with a bunch of nintendo games those were like the most fun micro games by far because the rest were kind of like eh, you know they're they're reminiscent of like old ones kind of even though they're new i don't know so those ones were really interesting mm -hmm. but there's only like a handful of those i don't know warioware is a thing that i played when I was a kid that I'm like always been baffled by how there's a bunch of these games. Like, I don't know how the hell you make this concept interesting over the course of multiple games. I've played almost all of them at this point. The only one I haven't really played is this new one in the DSI one. Um, yeah. Personally for me, it was one of those things that was better when I was a kid uh, yeah. because when you're a kid, you don't mind playing the same two or three games over and over again, and it's much easier to get mileage out of something, whereas now that I'm an adult and there exists uh, Steam sales and multiple digital platforms and all of these old retro consoles I'm collecting for too, it's like games, 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 and it's like hard to really squeeze the kind of value out of something like WarioWare that I used to be able to do. Um, yeah. But it, it is one of those things that didn't really have much longevity because, like, each game was kind of based on the technology of the console itself. Like, the DSi one was all about using the camera, and the, the Wii one was about the Wii remote, and did a lot of interesting things with it, actually. Uh, not that the, the Wii remote was always responsive, but, you know, it was, like, a premise for a game. And then, then you get to gold, and it's just, like, this, it just felt like, okay... It can do all of the things that the other consoles we've already built games for can do. So we'll just recycle a bunch of micro games from previous games. Okay, now we have a chance to make something brand new and from scratch. And the gameplay is you control a pointer that looks like a character and has unique abilities and every game is the same. And it's like, mm. okay, that, that seems like a step backwards in terms of the other games, which all had like a high concept 
premise to them. Like, Twisted was my favorite yeah. as a kid. And the only gimmick to it was you rotate the GBA and press the A button occasionally. And they, they made yeah. a bunch of really unique... They found ways to, to, to stretch a whole game out of just that concept. And it was great. The Touched, obviously, was based on the touchscreen. And the Wii one was based on the Wii remote. And then this new game is you move a pointer on the screen. <laughs> At least that's what it looks yeah. like. I haven't played well, it. Well, I, I feel like that's not an accurate necessarily way to phrase it because they're they're like the way that they control differently actually makes a pretty big difference like there there's a guy on a skateboard like like i was trying to say so there's let me think of some broad examples there's a there's wario can like fly and shoot side to side whereas like um Who's on the fucking skateboard? I don't like Nine it's like volt. Krygor or something. Nine volt is on the skateboard. And he can he moves automatically left and right, but you can like shoot something up in the air to like grapple onto things and stuff. And then there's like what um there's a guy who like doesn't move, but you can like move his arm. Um what? <laughs> in, like in a it's really weird, but it actually does kind of end up meaning that, like, since you don't really, like, a lot of the modes, they just kind of shuffle the characters in, and you uh, play with a set of characters that you want, so you kind of get to pick whatever playstyle seems cool. And it, it, I would imagine it adds longevity in the sense that, like, all of these minigames at least for some of the characters, take on like a new meaning. Like some of them become harder with some characters. It's kind of an interesting approach to like difficulty in that sense, where like it's not like a binary thing where like some characters are just better than others. It's like some characters are better for some micro games and some of them aren't, but not in a way that felt frustrating, but more so in a way that was kind of like spice things up a bit, I guess. But I don't know. I still only played like an hour of it. So. But I don't know if it's like just me or the game. It's a tough one for me to discern. Mm. All right. Uh, Pokemon Unite. I think you played that one too, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's much to say. That one was say. fun. It, it kind of made me understand why people play League of Legends even though it's insufferable. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of at least understand why people still play it because the format of those kinds of games is from playing Pokemon Unite. It was actually pretty fun. It It's probably the only one that I would want to play because there's no chat in the game. So that's nice. Uh, nobody has to yell at me. And I don't know. I heard that the game is very paid to win. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a free game, so yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> it's uh, got a lot of those elements in there, like you have to buy characters and costumes and stuff. But I played it for like a couple weeks, and I got a lot of fun out of it playing Absol. My favorite Pokemon's a like is my favorite Pokemon in the game. It also the playstyle of like it's really fast but dies f pretty quickly is like my favorite playstyle. So kind of worked out there but oh you would have to be a wind archetype wouldn't you 
Yeah, that's that's what that archetype is called in systems design is the wind elemental. I love that shit. I love super fast. Like, I don't know. That's my that's my shit. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Unite Unite's not really anything I can talk about at length. It was fun. I I don't know. Maybe I'll play it again. It's free. (laughs) I can play it whenever I want. I don't know. It's just kind of a thing that happened. Please check out our YouTube channel for video versions of all our podcasts. This podcast was edited by yours truly, ExoParadigm Gamer. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.